This is episode number 130 with Nashville high-rise real estate expert, Chad Woolers. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. My name is Nick Carrier, lifestyle entrepreneur and fitness trainer. My goal is for you to gain more clarity on what the best version of yourself looks like, what the best version of yourself is capable of, and then to give you the tools, tips, and inspiration on how to make that person a reality. Today I bring you Chad Woolers, who has been Nashville's top voted realtor for five years. Chad specializes in high rises here in Nashville, but still does plenty of work elsewhere as well. In this episode, Chad talks about how he originally started off his career with a completely different path and how he made his way into real estate. He talks about how he branded himself, about how certain kinds of pressure can be detrimental, and about what the biggest mistake a lot of realtors make is, and so much more. I'm pumped for y'all to hear this one because it's such unique insights to the real estate world that you wouldn't otherwise get unless you were in it. But before we get into this episode, you entrepreneurs out there, you goal setters, business leaders, and basically anyone who wants to execute on their wildly important goals, you have got to hear about Chris McChesney's strategy execution workshops. Chris McChesney, author of The Four Disciplines of Execution and former guest on this show, puts on full-day workshops teaching people on how to execute on their wildly important goals. The next workshop is down in Palm Beach, Florida on January 14th, and I'm going to be attending this one myself, and I can not wait. I know it's going to be a game changer for me and my business, and I don't want you to miss out on this great offer. By using the code BESTYOU, you can get a huge discount on your ticket. Just go to www.ompevents.com, ompevents.com. You can find the link on my website. January 14th, down in Palm Beach, get down there to learn about how you can level up on your business. Make sure you take a screenshot of this episode when you're listening and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at carrier underscore best you and tag Chad at Chad Woolers, C-H-A-D-W-O-H-L-E-R-S. And let us know your favorite part because I know Chad would love to hear some feedback on the interview. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on getting closer to the best version of yourself today with Nashville's top realtor, Chad Woolers. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up today because I have a really unique episode uh, or unique guest uh, on today. I have Chad Woolers with me. Chad, I appreciate you spending the time with me today. You're welcome, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, definitely. So I say a unique episode because I've never had a real estate agent on here before, and I'm really intrigued into get to the into the specifics of that. But we're going to talk about things early on in your career and some of the the biggest turning points for you. Uh, to talk about building and maintaining relationships because I know that's one of the things that's super key in being a, a good real estate agent. And then some of the specific things that you do in order to you know help your business grow and and where you're going from here. But basically, the way I want to start today is to introduce you a little bit. You're you live here in Nashville and you've been here for about 17 years thus far. Um, you've been voted Nashville's top voted realtor uh, about five times now, and you are currently with Village Real Estate. Um, and you started, did you start in the real estate agent back in 2002, right when you graduated from University of Nebraska? I did not. Actually, my father is in the real estate business in Omaha, Nebraska, where I'm from. Okay. And he kind of persuaded me to go the corporate route. So when I finished the university, um, I went into corporate America. So I was in downtown Chicago for a while. And that company gave me a job in Springfield, Missouri. So I moved to Springfield, Missouri for like a year, small little college town. Okay. And I was ready to get out of Springfield, Missouri because it's not really my ideal location post-graduation. And I had built my business for that corporation well enough that they offered me a promotion to Tennessee. And they told me 
you know, to pick a market in Tennessee. And I was like, well, what do you want me to pick? They're like Nashville or Memphis. And I asked them, I go, well, what's the difference? And <laughs> being from Omaha back then, yeah, being from Omaha back then, really knew. And I don't know, just pick one. Like, all right, well, give me like 24 hours. So I just did some Google searches. And back then, Nashville was not Nashville. And it was known for country music, but that was, it wasn't on the top 10 list of anything other than country music. But fortunately, and maybe fatefully, I picked Nashville. And I moved to Nashville in 2005 and with that company. So the corporation is what moved mm. me here. And the reason why I'm here now is, you know, they were, they were point zero of how I got here. And I kept doing a really good job for this company and they kept offering me promotions to leave Nashville and I kept turning them down. So I turned down, I, I think two promotions for sure, maybe three, I don't really remember. But either on the second or the third promotion that I turned down, they, they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I love Nashville. I love the people. I don't want to leave. Yeah. And so they had told me like, that's fine. You can stay here, but you've, you've hit a ceiling with your career with us because the way you advance with this company is by moving around. So that's when I identified real estate as an industry that I really wanted to get into for many different reasons. And so, yeah. So what, 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 what were you doing originally with that company? Uh, so I was a territory manager and I, I represented the frozen foods uh, division of that company. The company is called ConAgra Foods. So it's kind of like Kraft Foods, but okay. less known name. Gotcha. And then why, and you said for a, a nu numerous reasons, but, you know, maybe name a couple. Why do you think you ended up choosing real estate as something that you wanted to pursue? So in the beginning, before I was really in the industry and I didn't really know what it entailed and I didn't know what my strengths were with the industry, what I liked about it was you could kind of like run your own business and your, your potential was really unlimited and like your earning potential and your growth potential and the influence you have in your community was really within your, your power. You know, I remember very clearly when I was with ConAgra, like working my ass off for a year and then getting like a 5% raise. And I was like, damn, <laughs> I was grateful for the raise, but still you work for a year and you get a 5% raise. Like, and then real estate, like, you can work and get a 5% raise. Like you're rewarded for really hustling and you're rewarded for working hard and you're rewarded, you know, based off your fruits and your success, you know? So it's like, there's no, there's no ceiling, which is what I really loved about it. Right. So when you first got into it without having had any background into it, what was maybe one of your biggest challenges or one of the biggest things you had to overcome early on to feel like you were finally starting to go somewhere with it? Yeah. So I knew no one when I moved to Nashville with the corporate job. Like I didn't know one person in Nashville. So in real estate, your sphere of influence and everyone that you know is really kind of your building blocks of your business. So the challenge for me was like starting from zero in real estate. Like how do I build a client base? How do I build a name? How do I build a brand? How do I provide good service? How do I add value? And basically like, I don't want to use the word convince, but like how do you get, how do you get someone to hire you that they'll trust that you're going to do a good job when you've never done it before. You know what I mean? Right. And so I didn't have any, I didn't have that. I had to create all that. And so that was just kind of a slow process. And, you know, I actually just, I, I did real estate and I did my ConAgra job at the same time for a full year. Oh, wow. Because I didn't have anyone supporting me other than myself. So like I would do ConAgra during the day and then real estate at night, you know, real estate on the weekends. And then, so I kind of would flow between those two worlds until I really felt like real estate was going to, was going to work for me and was going to support me financially. 
And when you say real estate at night and on the weekends and stuff like that, and what what does that really mean? Just like kind of like building relationships and learning and stuff like that? Yeah, right. Building relationships, learning, networking, like reaching out to people. This in 2005 was kind of like pre-social media. Social media wasn't really what it is today right. back in 2005. So back then it was a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails. Um, so I was just constantly reaching out to people and just trying to expand my sphere and, you know, find a client, do a great job, you know, press repeat. And it's, it's a slow, it's a slow process in real estate, unless you're just blessed to have like this gigantic sphere of people that know you and trust you and hire you right away. But my first full year in real estate, I did probably 1 million in sales volume, which was probably at that time, the equivalent to like five deals for the entire year. Okay. Um, and then every year it just started to stack and momentum was growing and, you know, your family tree was growing. You take care of one client, they refer two to you. Those two people refer one to you. You right. can like, I can honestly go back. Like, I like to like, I have like a mental exercise after every closing. I'm like, where did this person come from? Like, uh, did I meet this, did I meet this person at my booth camp fitness club? Was this a referral? Who was that referral from? Where did that person come from? Like, I like to kind of think about the, the tree of my clients and where they started from and where they came from. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, I could, I could tell you like 50 clients maybe came from one source. Yeah. Like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? It's, that's it's crazy. Wild. Yes, that's crazy. So I want to, I want to take it back to, you said you were working for basically a full year in both your corporate job and working and, you know, trying yeah. to make it happen in real estate. What was kind of that turning point where you were like, all right, I'm willing to kind of take this leap of faith now to go real, real estate full time. Excuse me. Like what was that turning point? What allowed you to have that courage or faith to be able to go full time? A couple of things. So for me, like I'm kind of like built for speed. So like I work really fast and I work really efficiently, but I'm also like a pretty natural workaholic. Like I know that that term's kind of like got a lot of like negative meanings behind it, but like, I'm definitely like, I recognize about myself. Like I will just nonstop work if I have the work in front of me. So the turning point was kind of forced on me because I was doing real estate full time and it was going really well and it was working. And I was doing kind full time and it was going really well and it was working. And I, and I thought to myself like, this is great. Like, I'll just work more, like more of me, I can handle all this. And my corporate job ended up finding out that I was a real estate agent in Nashville. <laughs> and so they were like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, what does it, why does it matter? Like I'm crushing my corporate job. Like, why do you, why do you mind that I'm doing real estate on the side? And so they saw it as a conflict of interest, which I understood their, their perspective. And so they basically were telling me like, we're going to give you a ton more responsibilities. Oh, wow. They were kind of like pulling a corporate card on me. I was like, all right, well, so I left that corporation on very, very favorable terms. Like we're all happy, but like they kind of pushed me to go out on that, to take that step of faith, you know, cause yeah. it, it got to the point where I was kind of being, I was exhausting myself a little bit. Um, but when they were like, kind of like, Hey, are you moonlighting? I'm like, no, this is like a side hustle, which was true. It was, but it was a big side hustle. It was working. Yeah. And so when they were kind of pushing on me, I was like, you know what? This is probably like God prompting me in one way to be like, Hey, step out. It's time for you to go full time. And so that ended up being a blessing as well, because once you put all your chips in the middle of the table, it's like sink or swim. Right. And right. So, 
Um, and so it just took off from there. I mean, that was, you know, I did two, both jobs for like a year. And then, like I said, my, my corporate job was kind of like, what are you doing? And then I was like, all right, this is time to move out. And so then I went all in on real estate and then I never really looked back after that. Yeah. So during this, either, either during this year period or when you first made the transition full time into real estate, did you have any biggest mentor that helped you along the way? Because you didn't have too much education or background about the industry or anything like that. So was there anybody who kind of was your biggest mentor or biggest supporter throughout this? Yeah. So kind of what I've always done in my career is like, I've never really had like one person that was like my go-to mentor, but this was back when I was at Village. So like Hunter Connolly and Zach Goodyear were kind of like a, a few levels above me. And then other agents in the marketplace, like Richard Courtney, um, Grant Hammond, John Fairhead, these are all like big name agents that were doing really, really well. And so I just, none of them were like ever official, like uh, you're my mentor, but I would right. lean on them a lot. And I would reach out to people that I respected that I thought I could learn from. And I would, you know, do coffee, I would do lunch, I would just try to get close to them. Because I feel like proximity is power, right? And so if you can be close to these people who are doing the things that you want to do, like, you're gonna become like them, you know, it's like, it's an overused phrase, but like, you will become like the people you spend the most time with. So I identified the agents with the businesses that I felt like were the kinds of businesses that I wanted to, to create myself. Yeah, and so I got close to them. Yeah, no, and I love that lesson. I think it's applicable to anything, right? Not just real estate. You need to surround yourself with people who are better than you in the areas that you want to be better in. So when you're surrounding yourself and, and talking with these people, what are the kinds of questions that you were asking them and that others need to be asking people in the same situation of like people who are higher up than them in that industry? Yeah, so I think, I think you got to know your why. Um, I think you got to really know why it is you want to do what you want to do and what you want to create and the kind of life that you want to live. And then if you, if you see that in someone else, you need to get close to them and just ask them, like, how do they set up their life? Like, what's their work-life balance? Like, what are their routines? Like, what are their passions? What, what do they believe in? What are their values? What are their virtues? And then you can kind of take what you need and leave the rest. And so for me, like, I'm trying to think of a specific example. One thing I noticed back then when I was younger was I was always trying to like brand like, um, like kind of like a team concept. Like in the real estate industry, you, a lot of times you see people that have like NashvilleRealtyTeam.com or like Nashville, whatever. You know what I mean? They like brand like a yeah. team name. And I noticed for me that the agents that I really respected, they, they branded themselves. They branded their name. Hmm. And so that was like some, a transition that I had made where it's like, okay, if I'm going to brand my name, what does that mean? Like, I want it to be authentic and I want it to be real, but what does that mean for like my real estate business? Like, what does that mean for like the value proposition that I have to offer people, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of like, I don't know if I'm going off topic a little bit, no. but like I kind of, I kind of went down that path where it's like, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And this is what I want the experience to be with clients when they interact with yeah, let's stay here because I really like this. Um, so in terms of branding yourself, what are maybe some of like the lessons or the the guidance that some of those people who branded themselves gave you in order to approach that in the right way? Right. So I think the, the best thing that I learned from them and that I did myself was I wasn't branding anything that wasn't real. Mm. Like I, I was I was branding a 
part of me that is like authentic and genuine. So it's like, if I'm like promoting myself, like hustling on the weekends, but I'm not really doing that, that's going to be hard to like keep that consistent. If someone hires me and they're like, let's go look at properties on Saturday. I'm like, nah, man. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Let's go. Like, let's do it. You know? And like, and I was also, um, for me, I think, I think many different skill sets translate into real estate. Like, but for me, like, um, I'm outgoing. I'm very positive. I'm very grateful. And so like, I, I used to kind of like just keep that to myself and like my clients knew it and felt it when they're with me, but no one else really knew it. And so as social media has evolved and you can give people a window into who you really are, I started to kind of really hammer down on those things. And, you know, if I'm feeling super grateful for something, I'll communicate that now online. Mm -hmm. If, if, if I had an incredible experience with a client, I'll communicate that. If I heard for the fifth time this week, we trust you, Chad, tell us what to do. I'll communicate that. Yeah. And so that's like, those are like real things that are really happening. And so like, I feel good about branding that and I feel good about marketing that and I feel good about putting that out to the world because that's, that's true. It's authentic. It's actually really happening. I'm not like posturing. I'm not flexing. I'm not making something up. And so, and for me, it's like, I wanted to be able to like, brand something that was truly the real deal so like if you hire me like this is what you're going to get you know yeah if you, hi- if you work with me like this is what you're going to get and then from there it would just snowballs you know yeah no i'm glad you 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 uh you said that because and what you said to me is and like you know in describing yourself you said lover of life and people and you fully believe in all possibilities and abundance so i think that's really cool that you you took the intentionality to kind of brand yourself that way because I feel like a lot of people might be a little bit nervous to kind of be that openly authentic towards that sort of the thing as a as a real estate agent. I don't know. I just feel like that might be a little bit out of the norm for somebody to brand themselves as. Yeah. No. I think I think it is a little bit, and I've seen I've seen some people like kind of duplicating that as well with their branding, and, and if it's real, I think it's going to work for them because I think people are. I mean, we're attracted to people that are like us or like how we want to be. And again, I, I don't want to like hammer on social media because I know we're, that's not what this is all about. But like, it's amazing how many people have reached out to me via social media. And they're like, I love your vibe. I love your inspiration. I love your positivity. I want to work with you. I, I wow. want you to be my buyer's agent. I want you to sell my house. And it's like, I have the statistics and the skill set to back up the process of, of doing that, of helping a buyer or helping the seller. Like I know what I'm doing and I'm good at it, but they're not looking that stuff up. They're just, they're reaching out to me based on like a vibe that I'm putting out to the world and being like, I'm attracted to that positivity. Let's work together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when, when you were kind of discovering or when you were started to brand yourself as this, how did you kind of realize that that is something you wanted to brand yourself at? as is that like something that somebody kind of revealed to you like dude you're like this positive a grateful guy you should brand yourself as this or is that kind of something that you realized yourself and like i should use this to my advantage or how did that kind of how did that work it was it was the uh the former of what you said i was told that um Mm. specifically uh, a girlfriend of mine at the time like it was probably like five six years ago like when i was really trying to decide how i wanted to brand and like what was i about and like what did i believe in and she was like, you were these things, you know? And she's like, you were positive, you were outgoing, you know, you're, you think of an abundance, you think about gratitude. Um, but what she said to me, she's like, 
you're also high end though, but you're approachable high end. So like mm-hmm. in high end is like the kind of clients that I deal with and the kind of real estate that I sell. It's like high end stuff, right? But I'm not I'm not coming from like a high end, you know, yeah perspective of like you know what I mean? Like I don't really know what the right words are. I know, I don't either, but I'm trying but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, she's like she's like you're you're like a high end, but you're super approachable and positive person, you know, and like and I was like, damn, she's right. You know what I mean? It's like these, these I'm I am approachable and I am positive. So like once I was like once that was revealed to me through multiple other people, like I started to just kind of run with it and I just started to kind of own it. And it was an easy natural process because I didn't have to like pretend or like, you know, fall into it. It's like that's just kind of how I'm wired. Yeah. So that was really a big insight because, you know, a lot of times the people closest to you can see things that like, I feel oftentimes as humans, like we, we see like the negative within ourselves pretty often. And like, we don't always see like the, the positive that are shining in front of everyone else. Yeah. And so really what a lot of people do is they just raise a mirror to you. You know what I mean? Like they hold up a mirror to who you are and you're like, Oh, okay. You know? And then, so I, I had that and I just ran with it. No, I think that's huge because one of the things that I think is one of the keys to getting closer to the best version of yourself is just having, being as self-aware as possible. And you can't, you can't intrinsically just get super self-aware without having other people to reveal certain things to you. And actually yeah. a, cer- a certain quote that I heard not too long ago was like, sometimes, I'm not going to say the exact quote because I would botch it, but it's like something to the effect that sometimes you are too close to your own genius or your own expertise, if you will, that you can't even see it then you need somebody else to kind of reveal it to you. And I feel like that it like, pertains really well to this and how you branded yourself. Yeah, man, you're, you're so right. Like I remember one time, it was actually funny you bring this up because it was, it was back when I was at Village. So it was like years ago. And the company had asked me to speak at the sales meeting to all the agents about like, you know, how do you build your business? And I literally that morning, I was like, I was talking to my girlfriend. I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say. I, <laughs> she's like, and I was like, I don't know. She's like, I know what you need to say. I'm like, what? she just started running through all these positive things about the way, what I believe about life and what I believe about serving clients and what I believe about building the business. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know what wow. I mean? It's like, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like, sometimes we just, we just need to remember who we are and, and communicate that. That's really cool. That's really cool. So let's go back to a little bit kind of earlier on in your career. Is there any like one decision that you made or something that you did that you didn't really see the importance of at the time but later on it was revealed to you like it may to rephrase it what's the most important decision that you made early on in your career that you didn't realize the importance of until later on i wasn't afraid to niche and when you're when you're early in your career in real estate you generally will take any business that you can get Mm. you want to buy a house in franklin i'll meet you in franklin you want to buy a house in henderson i'll be in henderson tomorrow you know what i mean so like yeah so I never really turned away business, but I, I, I decided I wanted to niche and I wasn't afraid to like put that out to the world where it's like, I'm your high rise condominium guy. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, I made that my niche, like the high rise world. Um, and I did that for several reasons. One, I'm like, I have an affinity towards it naturally. Like I love that lifestyle. I get excited about that lifestyle. And for me, it's, it's not hard to learn and to remember all the different amazing things about these buildings in Nashville. So like I, I completely niched in the high rise world. I still took other business, obviously. Like if somebody wants to buy a house in Green Hills, like I'm in, let's go. Um, and I'll market that. But the, the most of my marketing is centralized around 
Nashville's high-rise urban community. Wow. And I, what I learned from that was, and I, I learned this with hindsight, right? But I learned people who, people who love me and want to work with me and like me, they don't care about my niche. They just want to work with me and they'll hire me to sell them something in Franklin. They'll hire me to get them a home in 12 South. Like they're cool with it. Cause they're just, they want me in like my process and who I am and how I take care of them and how I negotiate for them. But the niche that I created, I got a ton of business by people just coming to me saying like, you're the high rise guy or such and such said, you know, everything about 1212 or like, like I saw your marketing at 505. Like, and the, the cool thing about that is like when you get those leads from your niche, you don't have to like, you don't have to like go learn Green Hills. Like if that's your niche and someone randomly calls you, if, like I, if I get a call today from some dude in New York, he's like, I heard you're the high rise guy. Tell me about the natural high rise market. I don't got to be like, um, can I call you back in an hour? Like I can, I'm, I'm on, like I'll yeah. tell you everything about it. And so you immediately convert those clients because they're calling about your niche and you're well informed about your niche. The other people that are hiring you because of who you are, those are just warm referrals that want to work with you because Sally said she had a great time working with you. Mm -hmm. So her friend calls you and says, hey, I want to work with you. Sally said you were awesome. And I'd be like, great. What do you want to get? She's like, I want to buy a house in East Nashville. All right, cool. Yeah. And I probably, if she asked me like, what have you seen such and such house in East Nashville? I'd be like, I hadn't seen that yet. I'll look it up, you know, because like, she's not, she's not hiring me for my niche. She's hiring me for me. Right. My niche, someone from my niche calls me and says, did you see the, this penthouse listing at 1212? I'd be like, yeah, I showed it yesterday. I've seen it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a big key. Is that, is that like identifying a niche? Is that a piece of advice that you would give to people early on in real estate? And, and along those lines, like, if not, like maybe what would be a biggest piece of advice you give to somebody who is early on in their real estate career? I think you should put yourself in the market that you want to sell. Mm. So if you, if you want to be the Green Hills lady or guy, then you should be in Green Hills. And I'm not saying you have to live in Green Hills, but you should be working out at the Green Hills YMCA. You should be hanging out at True Foods in Green Hills. Yeah. You should be doing open houses every single Saturday and Sunday at a house that's in Green Hills. You know what I mean? And then you'll start to develop that business naturally. Like you're going to get what you put out to the world. Like if you want to be known as like the Franklin guy or girl, like you should be in that market, whether yeah. you live there or not, you should be in that market. And like, so for me, like I put myself in the path of the progress that I wanted to be a part of. So when I was starting my career, I didn't have any high rise condo sales members, but I was like, this is like what I'm interested in. Like, I want to be the guy that like knows this market and that people think of, you know? And so like I lived it, I still live it. I live in the Gulch, but so I think, I think you should put yourself in the market that you want to sell. And I think you should promote um, either the type of client that you want to attract, or you should promote the market that you want to be in. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So earlier you talked about how you kind of have this mental process after you close a deal with somebody about like how you kind of, ended up interacting with that person and where, where that person came from originally. So kind of along those lines, what is something that you do kind of practically in terms of 
building a relationship with somebody who you haven't met yet who is a potential client like is there are are there certain steps that you go through to make sure that you're building the the process or building the relationship the right way or just kind of what does that look like practically i would say the first thing i do is i care so when someone calls me um if they're if they're a new buyer or a new seller like i'm thinking first about how do i help this person like how do i provide this person the service that they need and how do i produce the results that they need so I feel like if you lead with caring, like it already puts you in the mindset of like what realtors do. Like, like we're like, we're like counselors. We're like matchers, you know, like we match people with homes and we, we help them through their process, whether it's an exciting process or a stressful process. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And how do you lead with caring? Is that just like simply being all ears and just making sure that you're truly listening to whatever it is that they want? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like, Whenever I'm on the call with the first time, the first time buyer, first time seller, I'm I'm listening the majority of the time, and then I'm asking questions. And so, like, I kind of like have like a delicate balance between like getting to know who they are and then finding out what they want to achieve with this process, um, and then caring about their personal goals and caring about their financial goals. And then behind all that, in my mind, I'm coming up with a strategy why I'm on the phone with them or why I meet with them in person. So it's like, you know, I, I don't like, and I do this all like authentically. Like I don't like sit down and like, tell me about your right. college career. Tell me about your dog. <laughs> nice fish on the-. It's like, like, I'm like, like I really want to know who they are and I care about who they are because I, I want to bring them into my client family and I want to have a good process with them. And I can't really service these people really well unless I really care about who they are and what they want. And once I understand their personality type and once I understand like their level of speed or their level of urgency or like what's driving this decision, then I can kind of like transition out of like the, the rapport care building process to like the strategy, like, okay, how am I going to make this happen for this person? And like, how am I going to like put in front of them what they want, you know, or like if it's a seller, how am I going to position the the asset the best way I can in this market to achieve my seller's goals. Yeah. You know? And and this and this might be kind of along the same lines because it probably just comes from caring for them and making sure that you're listening to them. But basically where I'm going to get to is how do you make sure that you're building trust with your client in the best way possible um, with I feel like sometimes people and the real estate agents can get uh, a bad rep in like terms of just trying to take advantage, trying to get make money and all that kind of thing. So how do you make sure 100%. that they have trust in you that that's not the case with you? 100%. And I can tell you this like completely honestly, I do not chase paychecks at all. Like I've never looked at a, a client as like a deal that I have to close to get paid. Like never. Like I don't, it's just, I, I feel like if you just, if you take care of people and if you, if you work the process at the speed that they want to go, that like you're going to do well. And if, if you spend a weekend with them or two weekends with them or two months with them and they don't buy something, like if that's fine, you know what I mean? Like I'm not upset. It's like I took care of them. They weren't ready. They, they left to go rent for a year. They're coming back. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and so I guess to answer your question, there are a lot of like salespeople or realtors that like, they're like super sales driven. Like people have told me like, you're a good salesperson. I'm like, thanks. But then I kind of cringe when I hear that 
I don't feel like I sell anything. Like yeah. I really don't. Like I feel like I listen to people. They tell me what they want. I position them in front of the market, in front of the products on the market, which mirrors what they told me they wanted. I take them there. I'm like, here it is. And then I just like sit back. It's like, if they want to buy it, great. Let's do the deal. Let's get it done. Let's close. If they don't want to buy it, I'm completely fine with that. Like it doesn't bother me. And I just, I read their nonverbals. Like I can tell when people are like really excited and they want to make it happen. And then I'll, 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 I'll click that gear in myself. Like, okay, here's what we need to do to make it happen. Or if I can tell there's hesitancy there or they're a little nervous, I'll like pull them back before they pull themselves back. I'll be like, Hey, Hey, like relax. Like you can sleep on this tonight. Like wake up tomorrow. If you don't feel good, we'll go find something else. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I think about like, I think about how I like to be taken through the process of something. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to buy something big, like if I'm going to buy a car, like anything big that like you, you want, you want someone who you think has your best interest in mind. You want someone who you think is going to take care of you that you can trust. And you don't want to feel like you're being sold something before you're, you know what I mean? And so yeah. like, I try to create that process for my clients. Like I don't want them to feel like they're being pressured or sold or like none of that. Like people know what they want. And when you, when you do the right steps with them to get them prepared, once they're in front of what they want, like they're going to, they're going to do, they're going to push you through the process sometimes. You know what mm. I mean? Like, uh, yeah. So I think, I think a lot of people aren't good at like, I think I have a really high emotional intelligence. So like, I think I, I feel like I can read people really well. And so I kind of just like watch people when I'm with them in the field, if it's a buyer and you got to understand like these questions are great questions, by the way. They're very different for buyers than they are for sellers. Buyers takes a lot of emotional intelligence because buyers are like, they're more emotional just in general, right? right. And like you're showing them different homes and different neighborhoods with different price points and different positive things, different negative things. And buyers are moving, you know, maybe they're, there's just a ton of things happening with buyers. Sellers are a little bit more straightforward. Like here's my condo at 1212 please sell it for as much as possible. Yeah. So, so sellers, you, you still obviously need to like, there's still a big carrying process and, you know, but like it's a little bit more systematic. Like once most of the time they already trust you, like we know your track record, you're doing X amount of business in this city. We've heard great things about you. We trust you sell the condo. You know, it's like, okay, cool. Let's go. Yeah. Um, well, so how do you, ba how do you, how do you balance that? How do you manage the, the back and forth communication between the seller who's like sell this for as much as possible and the buyer who's like get me something for as cheap as possible if you will yeah and it's it's a it's a balance right and like right. i've always i love buyers and sellers but if if i had to choose my ideal client like it's probably sellers because i can manage 30 sellers at once like you you can do that 30 buyers at once is really hard to manage because buyers take so much time yeah. Um, and I love the process with buyers, but like, if you think about it, like if, if you called me to sell your condo, I'm going to come into your condo. I'm going to meet with you for an hour, hour and a half in your condo. You're going to be like, all right, Chad, you're my guy. We shake hands. And then after that, it's all systematic, right? Like I still got to like do a bunch of things like regarding like marketing and pricing and strategy, but like, it's more of a system Right. with a buyer. You and I could drive around in a car for 15 hours on a weekend yeah like that's 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 one weekend you know what i mean that's a long time um some buyers are huge blessings though some buyers are super fast they like yeah. hit me up they're like 
this just listed, like I'm showing a penthouse um, after this podcast, I'm showing a penthouse at 1212. And like, I've showed him like two places. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to buy it. If he buys it, great. But like, if he doesn't, that's cool too. But if he does buy it, like I've met with him twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. So some buyers are, some buyers are super fast too. Yeah. So, you know, you've talked about how you really care for them and you have a high emotional intelligence. How, what are maybe some cues or some verbiage that you listen for that allows you to know that that person is like ready to buy? Oh, it's, it's usually like, it's usually pretty simple. Like usually like, especially for like a buyer, like you go through the process and like, say we're looking at like 10 homes, like I could do no, no research on those 10 homes before we met that Saturday or Friday or whatever. And as we go through the process of looking at the 10 homes, the cream's going to rise to the top. So you as a buyer, we're going to walk in and you're going to feel comfortable with me because you already know that I'm not trying to sell you anything. So when we walk into a house, you're going to be like, Chad, this is not for me. I bet. Great. Let's get out of here. You yeah. know, and then we go to house number two. You're like, oh, I love this. I love that. House number five. You're like, damn, this could be it. You know what I mean? I was like, awesome. Like, we'll come back if you want to see it again today. And then as we like go through, see the other houses, like you're going to know, like I'm going to know, I'm going to be able to read your, your, your nonverbals to see if like, if you're into it or if you're not, you know? Gotcha. But I would say the overwhelming, to answer your question, the overwhelming majority of the time, I never ask for the sale. Like, I don't say like, I think you should buy this home or I think you should offer on this home. Most of the time I just go through the process with my client as if they were like my best friend and we're just hanging out together, looking at real estate. And then when they look at me and they're like, yeah, dude, this is the one let's make it happen. That's when I kick, that's when I kick it into gear. Like I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever like tell them like, Oh, you need to buy this. You know what I mean? The most that I ever do probably with a buyer in terms of like the sales process is I'll be like, this is exactly what you told me you want. And I think this is perfect for you. This is priced super well. It's a rare floor plan if we're talking about a condos. I believe in my experience, this thing is going to be on the market like 10 days. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. And then I always follow that up with like, no, no pressure. Like, don't worry about it. I just want you to know what I know. Like my expertise and my experience, this is going to last 10 days at the most. And I actually just did this with a client um, at Icon in the Gulch. Um, we looked at a unit the day it listed. It listed at like 4 p.m. They sent it to me. They got it on their phone. They're like, this looks perfect. I was like, yeah, this is exactly what you guys are looking for. We went mm-hmm. and looked at it that night. And they're like, how long do you think this is going to last? I was like, a week. You know what I mean? And that's like real. Like, I'm not just like saying that. To yeah. Like hope, hope they believe me. Like, if I thought it was overpriced, I'd be like, this is going to be on the market for a hundred days. It's crazy. Like offer 50 K below. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to tell them the truth as I see it. And I'm right most of the time, but sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I tell people like, I think this, this was going to be on the market 10 days max and 30 days later, it's still there. It's still you know, like, yeah. The market's a, a funny thing, but. Do you feel like that's probably one of the things that most real estate agents do wrong is they just kind of jump the gun too early in terms of being pushy? Yeah. I think so. And I don't think they're even trying to be pushy on purpose. I think, I think they feel that like part of what they're supposed to do is like push a client through the process or like tell a client to buy or ask for the sale. Like I've never believed in that. I think, I mean, if I'm, if I had to guess, like, I don't, I don't really have, I've never worked with a real estate agent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I've never experienced it, but I have experienced salespeople in other industries and other professions where I just kind of like internally, I'm like, man, this is not how you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and sometimes it's like desperation. Like some people need a paycheck. Like they, if they're living paycheck to paycheck, like that real estate can be a stressful place. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, that'd be, I couldn't do it. Like, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why back to how we started this conversation. I think that's part of the reason why I did my corporate job in real estate full time for a year, because like, I don't want to be in a position where I have to get a check to pay my mortgage or rent or car payment. Like, I don't want to feel that pressure because I know directly or indirectly that pressure is going to transfer to my clients. Mm. You know? Yeah. It could, it could result in you not act, not acting as authentic as you would like to potentially. Right. If I'm like nervous that I can't make my mortgage payment next month, like I might naturally become like a pushy salesperson or I might naturally like try to, it's like, so like, I would say for realtors, like if, if you're living paycheck to paycheck right now, like I don't, I wouldn't do real estate unless you have someone else that can support you because like, I mean, I just don't think that's a good place for real estate. I think you need to like have a lot of patience with people like real estate's like high patience, high pleasing. Like, like you got to kind of like, it's funny. Like I listen to Gary V a lot. Yeah. Um, he's a podcaster. And he talks about like being an alpha male, but having a ton of empathy and a ton of patience and a ton of gratitude. And I'm like, I relate to that a lot because like, I definitely have like alpha male characteristics, but when I'm with my clients, I have like incredible amounts of patience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you, you have to have that in real estate. I just think that what you brought up is, is crazy in terms of like, I'm going, going back to like the under the pressure, under pressure thing. You never wanted to be under too much pressure to where you had to act a certain way because I've kind I've kind of thought almost like not the opposite, but certain times I think we need to put ourselves into pressure situations in order to perform at the highest level. But this is giving me a little bit different perspective and realizing a certain, some certain things about myself that I did when under pressure that I probably would not have done if I weren't under pressure and like in a neg- in a negative sense, like I, when I was under pressure, I did things that I wouldn't have done and that weren't truly me or wouldn't, weren't truly like my passion. Yeah. And I only did that because I was under, under that like great deal of pressure. So it's just a kind of a funny, different way to look at it. And I think, I think it's like probably the type of pressure that's being applied on you or to you. So like every day, I don't, I don't feel pressure when I wake up in the morning, but I have an innate, internal drive that's just like i'm like ready to go like i'm like fired up and i it's like people people have asked me before like what do you do in the mornings to like you know be this energetic and like i just have a lot of energy and i'm super driven and i'm super motivated and so you could probably call that like a form of pressure but like i feel like i'm like competing with myself in a way where it's like i just want to do the best that i can that day and i love like creating creating like deals and i love creating new relationships and I feel, I feel, I mean, pressure is probably not the right word, but I feel, um, I feel urgency in like a, in a positive energetic way every single day to go create more and create more. But I don't feel the pressure to do that under the thumb of debt or the thumb of like, my kid can't eat. I don't have kids, but I'm just saying, like my kids aren't going to eat tomorrow unless I sell something. Like I don't feel that pressure at all. And I'm super grateful for that. And I hope, hope I never do. But if I do, I think I'd still be the same. I think I'd probably still sell the same, but you never know unless you're under that pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah, so no, like, I think that's a very, I'm going to have to think a little bit, bit deeper on that because I've thought, I thought about it deeply in the sense of like pressure is good, but 
also, and I got to think about it in that other sense. I think that's really interesting. Well, um, to, to and we're getting a little bit down here on time, so I want to make sure I ask. You moved to here in Nashville in 2005. Like you said, it was not nearly what Nashville is today. So what's it been like being in, especially in the real estate business, with this huge boom that Nashville's now become? Like what's been like the biggest, maybe like adjustments that you've had to make or just tell, I guess, just tell me a little bit about what that's been like. It's been a ride. Yeah, it's been like it's been especially like, especially since you've put yourself as the high rise guy. Yeah, and honestly, like in hindsight, like I think I think there's a little bit of luck. I, whenever I say luck, some of my best friends, like my buddy Jason, always gets mad at me. He's like, "Dude, you've worked your ass off for 15 years. This isn't luck." But there is a there is a part of luck, part of it because or a component to it because when I got in the real estate business, it was right before the Great Recession. So when the market tanked, I was just building my business. I was starting at zero in every single year since 2006 when I got licensed. Every single year, my business has gotten bigger, bigger, and bigger, and bigger, more, 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 more from like a client volume, like everything as other people's business was like tanking. And so I think, I think part of the reason as I like, as I look back at my own journey and I try to like self-analyze it, like I went through the great recession and I was like fired up to be doing the business I was doing where the agents that I looked up to their business was like cut in half during the great, the great recession. So they were like kind of like depressed about it, you know, because they'd been up here and now they're down here and they're feeling the effects of that maybe in their lifestyle, their ego or their whatever. I just kept going up because I started at zero. So like I was like fired up. And then when the great recession ended, Nashville basically became Nashville. It started to boom. And I was already in position to consume the market share that, that boomed out of nowhere. So as other agents, most agents get into the business when the market's good, and then they roll out when the market's bad. And if you stay in something while it's bad, when it eventually turns, you're in the best position to capture all that new business that's coming mm. in. So like the huge turning point for me was like I spent, I'm trying to think how long the Great Recession was, like three or four years. Yeah. But I spent those three or four years like, building my business and getting a base of clients and like branding myself and being in the niche and the high rise. And then when the great recession ended and the economy started to boom again and national started to boom on a different level versus the rest of the economy, I was in the position to consume that market share. And then if you, if you mix that with like my natural tendency just to be a workaholic and work every single day and to love it and to enjoy it, like I just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And then as as a notoriety of Nashville nationwide kept growing, I had, I could leverage my position because I knew all these people. Like, it's like, it's crazy. Like that guy from New York that flew in today, like he's a high rise developer and he like heard about me. I'm like, this is wild. (laughs) How does this guy know about me? You know, like I'm from Nebraska. I moved here. You know what I mean? But like, so it's been a huge blessing. And, but I personally loved it. I love the development of Nashville. I love the tourism. I don't think we're losing our soul. Um, I think we're evolving. I think we're becoming more. Um, but some people don't like the development, but I've really enjoyed it. And I get, I get really excited when I see what's happening with our city. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I mean, I've only been here for a little over two years, but it's already been a big change. And I think it's really cool too, to, to see the growth, but going to be down to the last two questions getting down here on time. Um, I want you to visualize kind of like the best version of yourself down the road. You basically have all the skills, the knowledge, yeah. the, ca- the capabilities that you ever want to have. I want you to name one skill, piece of knowledge that that Chad Wallers has 
that you don't currently have? Ooh, regarding the business or regarding life? Just regarding life. <laughs> Just regarding life. So one skill, we asked yeah, again? Yeah, yeah. So basically visualizing what the best version of yourself looks like down the road, what his, like what his pieces of knowledge are, what his skills are. And I want you to name something that that person has, the best version of yourself has, that you don't currently have. Got it. I think that person has a better, more balanced work-life um, life, work-life balance. Yeah. So when I look to my future, when I look like five years out, like I know my tendencies and I know the way that I'm wired and I love what I've done the last 10 plus years. I love what I've built, but I also know if I'm not intentional about balancing out my personal life with my work life, we could be having this podcast in 10 years and I'd be telling you about all these other business accomplishments and I would skip like getting married, having a family, like things like that. Yeah. And for me personally, those are really important things that I want and that I see in my future. And just now in this season in my life, I've been starting to like really try to like pull back on like, you don't have to work every single day. Like you can, you can chill on a Sunday and like call your mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Cause I get so dialed in to just performing and like trying to create more value and trying to meet more people and sell more real estate that like, I think a skill that I really need to, to hone more and to develop more is just the skill of like giving myself the space to recognize, to know that I need to carve in more of a, a personal, a personal life with like to create those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's key. I don't know if I, I answered the question, but that's no, hundred like, percent. I like, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Well, before the last, before I ask the last question, I want to make sure I acknowledge you because I really think that the way that you branded yourself earlier on, early on in your career as being very grateful and very positive, everything like that, the kind of like I mentioned earlier, I think that's very rare for somebody to do that and for be able to take that step back and be like accepting of themselves enough and authentic enough and feel comfortable enough to put themselves out there as that. So I think that's really cool uh, for you to be able to do that and for you to be that trustworthy real estate agent that doesn't chase a paycheck that just truly cares for the client and make sure that you're listening, 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 and let them direct you on the path to finding wherever they want to live. So I think that's just super cool. Dude, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Of course. Well, I want to make sure everybody can support you as much as possible. So you got your website, chadwollers.com, W-O-H-L-E-R-S, and then your Chad Wollers on Instagram. What other, any other great place to figure, learn more about you and what you're doing? I'm pretty much all in on Instagram. I love Instagram, but so it's yeah, right. at Chad Wollers. And then I'm Perfect. also on Facebook, the same name and uh, LinkedIn, the same name. But Instagram is where I'm most active and I probably enjoy that, that platform the most. Yeah, I got you. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Well, all right. Well, the last question is we already talked about how the best version of yourself has maybe a little bit more work-life balance. So again, I think the best version of yourself is a constant journey chasing down that person. And I also think it's a, I also think it's a unique journey. I think that the way that I'm going to become the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get to be the best version of yourself. So what I want to ask for you personally is if there are three things that you could currently do or currently work on to get closer to that best version of Chad Wollers, what would be those three things that you could do or work on? So one of the first things that I'm going to do is I believe in like, um, cutting off from what you're doing in your life and like going all in on something that's like, like a book or a seminar or a vacation or something like that. I, I feel like 
I feel like we learn and we grow the most when we when we immerse ourselves in something. You know, like it's kind of like the the old saying. It's like if if you want to learn a language, like you know, go to Barcelona. If you want to speak Spanish, you know what I mean. Like yeah. So one of the things that I've I've been doing is like next month I'm going to a Tony Robbins event because I love I love his energy and his flow and his events, and so that's like something that I do to always like be the best version of myself. Like when I go to a seminar or if I go, if I cut off from my life for like five days or a week, I always gain insights into myself and I gain, I gain new perspectives and new levels of gratitude and new ideas. And so like, I think that's a really important thing for me to do to be like the best version of myself. Cause it just, it fills me up. Yeah. Um, and then what was what was the other thing? So that was that was just you have to name three of them. That was the first one, yeah. Oh, two more things that how to be the best version of myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So I like this. So you're holding me accountable. So you want to yes. know what I'm gonna do next? Yes. Right. Okay. I like this. <laughs> All right. The second <laughs> thing I'm gonna do. My assistant's right here, Alex. What should I do? <laughs> um, the second thing that I'm gonna do is. I'm going to make good on what I told you that I needed to do earlier, which is to create more work-life balance. Um, so I'll make, I'll make a commitment to you on the, on the best view podcast. So I currently, I currently go home to see my family in Nebraska twice a year okay. and I'm going to move that up to three times a year. Um, because I think, I think for me, all of my family's in Nebraska and when I get in the zone in Nashville, I can just, fly through a year and I like miss out on that family time and for me to be the best version of myself I feel like I need to have like a deeper relationship with my family and my brother and my sister and my nieces and my nephews I have great relationships with them but like you can't replace FaceTime right yeah so I think I need to add a trip every year okay so because of the best you podcast now I'm going to do three there you go two and it was one for a long time I was the I was really slacking and then I went to two and now I'm going to go to three so does that count for two? Uh, yeah, that's the second one. <laughs> the second I, one. I need a third one. one. Need a third one. Go all in on something. Create more work-life balance by going home to Nebraska three times instead of two. What's the third thing that you can do to get close to the best version of Chad Wellers? Man, these are good questions, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. The third thing. You name so you kind of name something that you can you kind of name something on a personal basis in terms of like going all in on something. You name something on like a family basis. Um, so you could do something with business. business. You, okay. Yeah. So I think I think this is perfect timing for that question. So the reason why I came to Village was one of the main reasons was to get closer to my colleagues in the real estate industry because I was on a journey like the last five years that was a bit of like a lone wolf kind of journey. Like I was branding myself and I would like. I would go to coffee shops, which I love going to coffee shops. I'm still going to do that. But I wasn't really interacting with my real estate colleagues very much. Like I'd talk to them on the phone if we were doing a deal, but I had, I'd really kind of lost that, that tight camaraderie with my real estate colleagues. And I totally believe that we're all in this together and we're not competing with each other. Mm -hmm. And so one of the main reasons why I made the move to the village was to get closer to the guys that I came up with that I was really close with in the beginning of my business that I kind of like fell off like we, we kind of like drifted apart basically. Right. Um, not in a bad way, nothing bad happened. We just, I just started really branding my business and myself and I just was dialed in and I kind of drifted apart in those relationships. Like if you don't, if you don't water and fuel those relationships, they're not going to grow. Right. Yeah. And so I think to be the best version of myself, the number three thing would be 
is to really invest in the people around me and to give back to uh, my colleagues in real estate because I, I have a lot that I can give and I have a lot of expertise that I can share and they have a lot that they can give and share with me as well. And so I think it's really to like dive into to building stronger relationships with the people around me. I love it. At my, within my work study. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Perfect. Well, that's all we got. I appreciate your time, Chad. That was awesome. Dude, you're the man. Thank you. So there you have it. I absolutely love this conversation I had with Chad. You can tell how real and authentic of a person he is and it's infectious. He's definitely a person I want to be around more often to see how he cares for people and how he treats people and how he sheds his positivity to others. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave it a quick review on the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes. Make sure you share it with a friend who could get something out of this knowledge and inspiration that Chad shared today. All it could take is one thing from this episode for you, your friend, or family members to turn their life around or to level up. Remember on social media, don't be someone that you're not. Don't put on a fake face. Don't posture yourself in a manner that isn't your true self. Even if you're not trying to build a business per se, using social media, you are still branding yourself. And if you're branding yourself inauthentically, you will lose yourself. You'll lose your way and you won't be able to be consistent with your identity. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you thought by sending me a DM on Instagram at carrier underscore best you. Rate and review the show. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Share it with a friend. Help to grow this community and spread the word so all of us can work together to get closer and closer to your best you.